Hey, Crossings Podcast community. This teaching is called Nihonga and is the second teaching in our culture-making series. It was taught by Molly Conaway on May 1st, 2022. Thanks for listening. So each week during this culture-making study, we are going to introduce you to a new non-English word. The word will be the title of each of these Sunday teachings. We hope to leave you with a little lexicon representing the different themes of making, of creating in the world. Last week, the word was the Hebrew word yatsar. Caleb introduced us to this and explained that creativity is a value here at Crossings. But often when we think about creativity, creating, art, making, there is this assumption that it's like just for people who use canvas and paint, that it's for someone else, it's for those kinds of people, it's the artists. When in reality, from the beginning, not only was all humanity given this divine spark, this divine image within us, humanity was created to make and create within this world we are given. So we are all makers, whether it's with paint and canvas or numbers on a computer or little people in a classroom or a group of professionals in a conference room or construction equipment or with a meal on the table at the end of the day. We are all asked every day we are alive. What do you want to make today? And we all answer that question in small, tangible ways and in greater, more abstract ways. What do you want to make today? Some humans answer the question, what do you want to make today? By inciting terror and fear and violence and death. That is one way to answer this question. But we are doing this culture making study right after Easter because we want to speak of and dream of and honor the ways we might make within this world that which brings life and beauty and hope in a world of death. So today, our new word is Japanese. It's the word Nihonga. Nihonga is a type of traditional Japanese art, but it's a very broad description. Uh, Our resident Japanese art experts uh, told me that in the kanji, Nihonga literally just means Japan and pictures. But something that is unique to Nihonga is the specific materials that are used to create. And the way each of these specific materials have their own long history and traditions. Nihonga has evolved over a thousand years because each of the materials used in Nihonga art has evolved over a thousand years. The paper, the silk, the wood, the plaster, the ink, the pigments, the handmade brushes, each of these elements have a long history using natural features from Japan. So what this art does is it locates itself and understands itself as a creation within a community of creators and in an ongoing story of Nihonga art, where the final piece of art is not actually the most impressive thing, It's all the artists that contributed to the materials used to make the art possible. Take the Japanese tea ceremony, for example, this beautiful ancient tradition. 
And the ceremony itself is important and the tea used is important. But to make the tea, you have to have a tea whisk. And you don't just use a random plastic tea whisk from Ikea. You would likely have a history and a relationship with a thousand-year-old maker of bamboo tea whisks. The bamboo isn't particularly important. The beauty comes in the interaction between the bamboo and the maker to create the whisk that then will interact with the tea ceremony host and the guests. The tea ceremony is not primarily about the tea whisk and the tea whisk is of primary importance to the tea ceremony ecosystem. You know, in the West, we tend to have this hierarchy of makers. We tend to praise the individual success and accomplishment, the artist, the author, the photographer, the one person who does the final thing that we all get to see and honor. But in Japan, all who contributed to the accomplishments are honored the same. There is no hierarchy or discussion of who actually did the thing. In Japan, the architect and the construction worker are truly on level playing fields as far as importance and recognition go. Okay, so what's the opposite of this? What's the antithesis of Nihonga? If Nihonga is this art formed by a community of people and traditions and processes, what is the opposite? I don't know if you've ever heard of the Toaster Project. You can look it up. There's a TED Talk in pictures. A man named Thomas Thwaites tried to build a toaster completely from scratch, completely alone. Like he actually went to the UK and mined the raw materials, the copper, the nickel, the iron. He had to learn how to process the raw materials. The whole thing took him nine months. If you look the pictures up, you'll be astonished at what he actually came up with. It's, it looks kind of terrible. This is how it looks when we try to create something completely new from scratch, completely alone. Another example in Japan, if you look up the Issei Grand Shrine, you'll know that it's very famous architecture in Japan. Each little piece of the shrine of the structure represents an important part of Japanese craft. And what's fascinating about this structure is that it is dismantled and completely rebuilt new exactly the same way every 20 years, every 20 years. The thing is completely taken apart and completely built new. Is this because the Japanese like a new, fancy, shiny thing? No. It's because they want to preserve the technique and the history and the tradition of the craft. And the only way they know to do that is to pass along the techniques and do it side by side with the next generation. So they tear it down and rebuild it so that the community of artists and architects and woodworkers will be able to carry on this work and this art, carry on the way for 20 more years, and 20 years after that, and 20 years after that. I was reminded by our friend Miyu this week of the number of natural disasters that Japan has to deal with, earthquakes, the passing down of craft, the passing down of the way of making has to include a community, an ecosystem of people who know the way 
It is crucial to preserving and carrying on the story of their people. I was reminded that Tokyo has been flattened by fire and natural disaster and war five times. Five times they've had to rebuild. Japanese artists and makers have created a culture where making things new is necessary and it's sustainable because they've preserved the way of making down to the smallest detail. And remember, this is not just about Japanese art. This is about faith and God as well. In Japan, in Nihonga, the beauty comes from the community of makers and their relationships and their stories. So even when something is destroyed, even when it's burned to the ground, the way is not lost. There is worth in the rebuilding and in the process of making the thing new again and again. This whole culture-making series comes from a Japanese artist named Makoto Fujimura. This is what he says about Nihonga. He says, Nihonga is very hard to teach outside of Japan. It involves an ecosystem of trained craft folks of multiple generations, from paper makers to brush artisans, and that ecosystem is built on trust and relationships. I'm often asked to do workshops on Nihonga, but I rarely can. People assume that Nihonga is about the materials and tools that we can learn it by taking lessons and sharing recipes. But a recipe or a formula alone cannot make art. I would say it cannot make a faith in God either. I have to believe that Nihonga is part of the historical ecosystem of care and nurture of culture that the Japanese have cultivated for more than a thousand years. An integrated way of making that affirms the beauty of nature. Nihonga is impossible outside of that ecosystem. Fujimura says that we can learn from Nihonga that the process of making, the process of creating in our world, and again, remember, we're trying to expand this definition of making. We are all makers. And doing this can be organic, hands-on, and communal. Fujimura continues, he says, this can happen if the church once again becomes a place of making, the heart of beauty in the world and a witness to mercy. As hard as it is to do a workshop representing a millennium of the ecosystem of Nihonga, it is harder to communicate the gospel in the fullest sense. So he's suggesting that the body of Christ, the followers of Jesus around us and before us and after us, this becomes our ecosystem for shalom, our ecosystem of the kingdom of God, the way things are intended to be. Our life and our faith and the things we make and create in the world, the beautiful things and the messy things, are not located on an island. Our lives, our faith, our spiritual journeys are located within an ecosystem that is as important to us as we are to it. And in a study of culture making, I think locating ourselves within that ecosystem is crucial. Here's another way to put it. We've showed this video before in our gathering, so you may remember it. But I recommend stopping this podcast and looking up the video of the living bridge of Megalia. It is about an epic project that no one can complete in one lifetime. 
a living bridge that is weaved together with roots generation after generation. Who you are and the work you do and the faith you embody and the way you practice resurrection by bringing life and hope and beauty in the world and the faith you've built and rebuilt and the lessons you've learned along the way have got to find their place in God's epic project of repairing and restoring the world. It has got to be something that is passed on to those who will carry on the work after you. You are not the most important thing in this ecosystem. I am not the most important thing in this ecosystem. Does that comment offend you or does it bring you some relief? I mean, you would not look at a biological ecosystem and say, that's the most important thing. Ecosystems flourish because of the way the different species interact with each other. Our staff and our leaders have been asking a lot of questions about the ecosystem that Crossings finds itself in. It's a fascinating practice. It's a great reminder that Crossings, our faith community, is not the most important thing in the ecosystem. It's just one of the species interacting with all the other many ways we believe God is putting the world back together in this city. It's a good practice for you too. Who is in your ecosystem? Start writing it down on a piece of paper or a whiteboard. What people, what places, what organizations or groups? How do they interact with one another in your ecosystem? How do they inform your life and your work? And how do you inform the life and work for them? You know, something that keeps coming up in our conversations about the Crossings ecosystem that I I think we need to pay attention to is the way the older kids in our ecosystem, and this is at Crossings, and this is bigger than Crossings, but specifically our older kids, our teenagers, our young people, they're really struggling. I don't know if you've seen the research and articles that are coming out, but our red flashing alarm lights should start going off. It's not just about the research. Talk to any group of kids and students and young people about the climate in their schools and teams and groups. It's frightening. Our young people need to know they are part of an ecosystem of faith who reminds them of their identity, who gives them a safe place to belong and ask questions and discover and rediscover their faith, much like we do together. Our young people need to see us weaving the roots of faith one by one, saying, let me show you how to do it. Just like in the Living Bridge of Megalia video. Even when we don't have all the answers and aren't sure ourselves, it's a process. It's not a recipe or a formula. And our young people need us. They're struggling. And often, like with creativity and art, we assume it's someone else's job to create and make within that part of the ecosystem, when in reality, we are all dependent on its flourishing. Paul is the author of several letters, books in our Bible. He seemed to be saying something similar. He was in prison as he wrote many of his letters to different churches, and the book of Romans is like Paul's magnum opus. And I'm going to read it slowly, a section of Romans 12, and I'm not going to say too much about it afterwards, because I'd like you to hear it and make your own connections with this text and the art of Nihanga and the living bridge of Megalia. 
As this scripture is read, what might God be inviting you into when you consider the way you make and create, when you consider the ecosystem you find yourself in? Romans 12, 1 and 2. Here's what I want you to do with God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what God wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops and creates well-formed maturity in you. Verse 3, I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living as every one of you does in pure grace, it's important that we not misinterpret ourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to us. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what God does for us, not by what we are and what we do for God. Verse 4, in this way, We are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. And as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? But since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. Romans 12 is often known as the response to grace. Like this gift of life we are given What might it mean to hold that open before God and each other each day? What might it look like to locate these lives, this grace we are given, in an ecosystem like the physical body, where all elements are crucial to the flourishing? So through this series, we've wanted to introduce you to different makers, different creators in our community And today we introduce you to Stephanie Heathcote. And in the gathering, we played a video of Stephanie and her quilting. These incredible pieces of art that Stephanie makes by putting beautiful things together out of little pieces, different pieces. And when the pieces come together, they move and interact with each other and it changes the whole thing. And often the most unexpected pieces coming together that don't seem like they should come together do when it's just right. I'm not sure I need to say any more about what it means to come to the common meal table each week. We do this thing, communion, the Lord's Supper, Eucharist. David Matthews in the coming weeks is actually going to tell us about the creation of this table he made us. 
but you are all welcome to come and you can hold your hands open and you will be given this bread and juice, the body and blood of Christ, and you are invited into a story. And by holding your hands open and being given this bread, it's a physical, tangible reminder that grace is given and not taken. And that our coming to this table, you coming to this table with all the little pieces of you and your story, combined with all the little pieces of the person before you and behind you and next to you and their story. We come together and the specific makeup and this dynamic of people creates something that's never been before. And also, this is the same meal that was given 20 years ago. And like the shrine in Japan, it will be the same meal that is given 20 years later and 20 years after that and 20 years after that. So we welcome you whenever you're ready. These are the gifts of God for the people of God.